Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Well, good morning. We are so glad you're here. And I I just want to offer actually a prayer briefly. Um, I know, I'm not trying to be political, but I know we have some people who haven't been paid because of the government shutdown. And that creates a real um, struggle in your own personal life. And we just want you to know we're aware of that and we, we're with you and love you and just want to want to pray for you during this, this interim time and pray that whatever it takes, I don't know, but it, things get worked out. So let me just pray for y'all. Father God, thank you for all that are here today, and particularly we lift up those who, who aren't getting a paycheck right now and might be feeling some pressure. There may be some, some uh, financial burdens that they weren't counting on that this shutdown has created. And we just lift them up to you, Father, and pray, and pray for our nation, and pray for uh, your will to be done in all of this, but especially right now for our people, that you would just see them through and encourage them and provide them what they need to get them through this time. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we're starting 2019, I told you last week, we're working off the KISS principle. Keep it simple, saints. All right? And saint is, is the, the biblical word, the word that is in the Bible for Christian. And so we're looking at three basic questions last week and this week. Where are we going? Why does it matter? And what's my role? And I talked about the first two questions last week, which you can watch on our website or an app, our app or Facebook page. And this week we're going to look at the third one. I also asked you to begin getting in the habit of bringing your Bible each week and that we would hold them up each Sunday, whether print or digital. So let's just take a moment. Show me your Bibles. All right, I see more this week than last week, and digital counts. So I'm not looking at specifics, okay? Someone came up to me and said, I I didn't, I walked out with it. I'm not trying to catch anybody or anything. I just want us all to affirm this is important, and and we want to stay in God's Word. And we'll talk more about that, in fact, in a little bit. So um, if you don't have one, would like to remind you we have uh, some modern translations out of the next steps area that are free for you to pick up to take we want you to have one especially as we enter into this series get ready to enter this series on the first eight chapters of acts we want you to have a bible so just know that that's there for you just as kind of the then a recap last week jesus kind of sums it up for us with the great commandment and the great commission He says in the great commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus went on in his last teaching, if you will, or his last information to his people. He said what we call the great commission, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's even part of what we were just singing. He is with us. Jesus himself lays it out for us. Love God 
and love our neighbor. The, the, the vertical and the horizontal. To the extent, love our neighbors to the extent that we literally go in order to be used by God to help our neighbors also become disciples. So back to the KISS principle and, and what we talked about last week. Where are we going? As we said last week, we're seeking to be faithful to Jesus' commands in the great commandment and the great commission to lead everyone to become more like Jesus. That's where we're going as a church. And why does this matter? It matters because everyone, it is our fundamental belief, everyone needs Jesus Christ in their lives. And Jesus created the church, not as an institution, but as a movement of people to be his hands, his feet, his voice, to share his good news with a world that is dying apart from it. And that brings us then to this week's question. What is my role? And before we look at the specifics of this, this is, and I mentioned this last week, some of this is, as I've tried to kind of grasp some of the struggles that I sense or feel that we deal with today, I'm going to do it using an analogy of the stock market. Now, this is kind of random, I know, but on Thursday evening, which is when I was writing, uh, on Thursday evening, I went in and I found a website that went back 34 years, so that's why the number is, is 34, and I looked at the Dow Jones Industrial Average going back to 1985, and I did it for 34 years, then months, then days, then hours. So first, looking at the last 34 hours, all right, this was essentially Wednesday and Thursday, what do you see? Up and down, up and down. And uh, not, a, not a big change. About a, it ends up about 175 points from here to here. There's some of that. But ne- and if I'd started this exercise a week earlier, as many of you know, the roller coaster would have been mostly down. So when we jump to 34 days, that is what we see. It starts here. It ends up over here. But look at that. And, and it, it, the, uh, the reality is, going back to December 9th, it's about 750 points lower here than over here. But at one point, it was like 3,000 points lower than it was. So when we look at the shorter term, a few hours, a few days, we see lots of variations. And yeah, some of it's good. There's some going up. But there's also some real down. And we can get caught in those, those downs And it can keep us on edge. Now, let's see what happens when we we go out further to 34 months. Now, remember, 34 days is just right back in here. All right? 34 months, look what happens. Now, yes, there are some bigger peaks. There's some drops. But when you compare the beginning with the end, you see the market has gained about 7,000 points or over 40%. And now we go back to 34 years. Look at the change. I mean, it's huge. From down here, 1,550 to 24,000. A factor of over 15 from here to here. Now, yeah, these weren't fun times here and here. But they were just aberrations or short-term things. And here's the question. What happens if anywhere down here, it's, kind of, it's not doing a lot fast, so I say, I'm getting a little bored, or I'm not finding as much as I want, so I'm going to drop out. And look what you miss. Or I, I get right here, and it's going bad. 
and I say, I'm going to drop out. Look what you miss. And in the same way in our lives, it can be that way. Now, I'm not, I'm not telling you this because I'm trying to advise you on investing, because I'm not. Look, I'm not even saying the stock market is the right place to invest. But I'm using the analogy to try to get us to consider how we look at our own lives. We tend to want instant results. We want it now. Our microwave takes too long, right? Instant tea takes too long. And because we want instant results, it means that it often leads us to facing these ups and downs and, and, and getting stuck in them rather than looking at the overall context, the, the big picture, the long haul. So depending on what day I was looking at over the first few days of 2019, I, I was either pretty depressed because of the stock market or I was saying, okay, it's turned, it's, something's looking kind of okay. And what's true in our investments or our stocks can also be true in our spiritual journeys. Focusing on any one moment, any short period of time can cause us to make snap judgments that may not hold up for the long haul. Now, again, I, I struggle with this a little bit. It seems harder to grasp. But while our spiritual journeys may include some key moments, some key decisions, it's more than that. It's more than what I'm feeling in any one moment or what I'm going through right now. And, and maybe because I'm a little older now. And I, I, maybe 30 years ago I couldn't have said this. But when I look at my life, there are thousands of little moments. Little moments that contribute to the overall trend. That probably not going to be remembered. I mean, you, you may have had one day last, one Sunday last year where it was an incredible service and God really spoke to you. But if you're honest, today you don't really remember. You knew there was something that happened, but you don't remember the details. Because no one tends to focus on, on, on days like when the stock market just inched upward seven points or something like that. But those small gains, those little piece-by-piece elements matter over time. And so does our growth in the daily journey of seeking to grow towards spiritual maturity. And yet we often discount the little things. We want all mountain peaks. We want all high points. We discount the daily things, the weekly worship, the, the time with God, the practices and relationships that build that context and intentionality of spiritual growth over the long haul. We tend to just aim for high points. We tend to want to just cherry pick our way from peak to peak and avoid the valleys like somehow we can. And we tend to discount the importance of daily routines and practices. Yeah, spiritual growth comes sometimes in spurts. I know that. I've experienced that. But in general, it's a lot like what that stock market looks like over the last 34 years, where the long-term trend is what really matters. And that only brings us value when we stay in the market through the highs and the lows. When we stay in our relationship with God, when we don't just say, well, what have you done for me lately, God? Like, that's even a legitimate question. But, you know, we see a trend in America today that Americans are attending worship less. It's a, it's a noticeable trend since the turn of the century that people who would attend three or four Sundays a month are now coming two or three. People who are attending two or three are now coming one or two. And people who came maybe once a month maybe aren't coming at all. 
Because we've got, I think, at least part so caught up in what is it that's doing, doing for me now, today, in this moment. But we don't live our lives that way typically. We don't go back and say, well, I'm going to count. I'm, I'm going to remember every meal I ever had, you know. We don't th- think about that. But we would sure be suffering if we hadn't eaten those meals. It would make a difference. And I want to tell you, it is my conviction and my experience, and I believe the the biblical record, that as we live out our lives day in and day out, seeking the Lord, there's some things that happen that you just can't always point your finger at. You can't always just say, it was that moment. It's sometimes you get a little ways down the road, and you look back and you say, wow. I've come so much further than I ever thought. I didn't think about it when I was in the middle of it. But it happened. And I'm afraid we have allowed our spiritual journeys to become nothing more than consumer-oriented feasts. Where it's just when I get what I want or what I need when I need it. Rather than feeding ourselves day in and day out. So... How can we grow steadily, consistently, so that the long-term trend is growth? Slow and steady wins the race. That's what my mama used to say, and it's true. Even as we realize that in the midst of that, there are times of decay or even being stuck. But that is also normal in all of life. So we want to look at those practices in just a moment, but I want to get us, again, kind of a 30,000-foot view of our spiritual journey. And we've included an insert in your bulletin. Some of you may have seen this. A few of you in our Introduction to Discipleship class later in the year actually got a, a full-page version of this, front and back. But we, we have put this together as a picture of the spiritual journey and showing you that it's so easy to think I've arrived or I've gotten someplace when there's always more. So... Before we come to faith, we're a non-believer. And, and this is kind of just a, a summary picture of what's on your chart. No spiritual roots, no fruit, just a seed. Doesn't mean we can't do some good things. But when we talk about fruit in the context of spiritual growth, we're thinking in terms of fruit that impacts someone else for eternal purposes. That it changes or impacts or affects their eternity through God's unconditional love working in and through us. The seed has all the potential in the world, but there's there's no fruit. It's just lying on the ground. Nothing of the eternal value is happening here. But when the non-believer comes to faith and that seed gets planted, then we have a new believer and roots start to grow. Now, they're small at first. It's easy to get blown over. There's just a little bit of growth up above, but there's something happening. And, And it may be early for there to be much fruit, but at least we're moving in the right direction. If this growth continues, the person becomes a growing believer. Look, the, fr- the, the roots are getting bigger and deeper. The tree is getting larger. And we're starting to actually see fruit appear, real fruit, things that are happening. And there's growth. And there's a, a better ability to weather tougher times. That, that tree is stronger. It's able to hold up against the winds of, of, of life. The seed could be blown by anything. And even the seedling, it didn't take much. But this is starting to ha- have some hold to it. And it's, in fact, reasonable to expect that there would be f- fruit. Because if there isn't, then there's something wrong. 
The Bible says faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, is dead. So the growing believer is getting more and more serious about their spiritual journey and, and trying to share then that faith journey with others. That's part of the fruit. But assuming the believer continues seeking to grow, then we get a devoted believer. And, and this is a more mature believer. The roots are bigger, broader. The tree's trunk is stronger. It's more growth and much more fruit. This person has chosen to center their life on Christ and, and, and consistently is seeking him. And notice I said center. He's not part of my life. He is the center of my life. He is the center of my life today on Sunday, but he will also be the center tomorrow and on Tuesday, no matter what comes. Love increasingly marks this person's actions, and that love is increasingly intentional. How can I love those around me? How can I share God's love with those? How can I come alongside others to help them become disciples of Jesus Christ? It's not about me. When it is about Jesus, it can't be about me. It is about loving him and loving those around us. It is the great commandment, the great commission being lived out day in, day out in our lives. And yet a devoted believer isn't a destination. And that's some, always a problem when you do a chart. Is that somebody says, well, if I get to there, I'm, 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 I've got it made. No. It is a journey that increasingly mirrors Jesus' life and teachings. And the Bible tells us that none of us are going to reach perfect devotion until we meet Jesus face to face. So your chart shows these various stages. We've got the simplified version up here of just the, the, the graphics. But below that is some information about it and some what does that look like in, in my life? How does that matter in my life? And, and the chart reminds us that we always have room to grow. There's nobody. Billy Graham, Mother Teresa may have been devoted believers, but they still had room to grow. And we need to all recognize that and understand that. It's helpful to have some idea of where we're on this journey, where we are. But, but what also matters is which direction we're headed. Am, am I growing or am I like a tree that's starting to decay, that's, that's falling backward, that's running into some problems? And yet knowing where you are can help you recognize where you need to focus your efforts so God can turn it around or help you grow further. On the reverse side of the chart is a place all of us find ourselves in. And, and let me just be real honest. Multiple times, we get stuck, all right? And, and some people think, oh, it's horrible. My spiritual life doesn't seem to be going anywhere. And, and I must be doing something wrong. Or this must not really matter. Guys, getting stuck is a part of being human. Maybe Jesus never got stuck. But all the rest of us, at some time or another, find ourselves not growing, maybe even withering or decaying some, and there's less fruit. The, 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 the movement of this is not a straight line. It's, it's, it's up and down. And, but what you hope is, mathematically, that for you engineers, the trend line is going up over time. That's what we're looking at. That's where we believe God is calling us to go, to reevaluate what we're doing, our practices, our disciplines, in order to keep moving. So, understanding what this journey ought to look like, what is my role? In order to strive toward 
being a devoted believer, we believe there are at least four areas that disciples routinely engage in to grow. Not limited to four, but at least four that both describe and prescribe the journey for all of us. First, we commit. We commit to Christ. We commit to God's word. We commit to prayer because we believe that having personal intimacy with God brings about true transformation. It's about relationship. Somebody was telling me this morning as I was talking to him about this message. He said, it's all about relationship. Exactly. It's not about works. It's about relationship. It's about relationship with God, relationship with each other. Intimacy. Connection. Togetherness. Spending daily time with God. Reading our Bibles. Meditating on His Word. Praying are fundamental. They're crucial to anyone's spiritual growth. A study about 15 years ago called the Reveal Study showed, and I quote, daily engagement with the Word of God is the greatest single change factor for spiritual growth. Now, I'm not going to ask how many of us in here read our Bible daily. But if half of us are doing that and half of us are not, and the half that are not are kind of wondering, my spiritual journey just seems kind of dry. Maybe right there is the point. The Apostle Paul tells us the value and importance of Scripture. So, If you've got your Bibles, open to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to begin in verse 16. And we typically only read the first two verses of this. But I want to go a little bit further this morning uh, into chapter 4. So if you can do that, 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 16, it says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. In other words, it's a measuring stick, a, a mirror for us to look in. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. I solemnly urge you, in chapter 4, I solemnly urge you, Paul says, in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom, preach the word of God. And he's not just talking to preachers. I mean, pass it on. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. How many of us have heard that expression? You know, they, they're only listening to what's, they're only going because they're hearing, hearing what they want to hear. That happens in churches, it happens in our spiritual journeys, and it's a dangerous place to be. Paul says they will reject the truth and chase after myths. That I can do this fast. I can do it instantly. I don't have to make, I don't have to invest in this. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry, carry out the ministry God has given you. Our study on Acts and the Holy Spirit, which the study part begins in two weeks. The first message on Acts 1 will actually be next week. It includes a journal that gives you daily scripture reading, six days of the week, and a devotional that you wrote. Many uh, members of our church family wrote as a tool. If, if reading God's Word is not a part, or even if it is and you want to expand it, it's something you can go and do. And we, that's why we've intentionally made it uh, 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 affordable. But I'll just tell you, if you can't afford the five bucks, give us whatever you can give, and you can have one. It's that important that we want to help you on this journey. It's a great opportunity over the next six weeks to begin to build your own habit of meaningful daily time with God. 
Second, we connect with one another because we believe we connect relationally to grow spiritually. It's all about relationships. It always is. Daily time is critical, but we need relational times with others to think through and discuss God's Word and His ways, to encourage each other in, in our walk of faith. We need others to help us grow spiritually. And I love the way Paul says it in Colossians. And if you've got, again, your Bibles, Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17. This is a great passage to me that is almost like a description of any group of Christians. It says, Since God chose you to be the holy people He loves... He must clothe your, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Well, you can only do that if you're in a group or in a family or something like that. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in a perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you're called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. To me, this gives us a picture of why being in, in, in small groups with others is so valuable and necessary for our spiritual journeys. And, and our new study gives those of you who, who aren't in a group at this point the opportunity to join an existing one or to create one. We have groups for all kinds of folks, including couples with young children, women, and, and in settings across the area. And some of you can use this as a great opportunity to reach out to some of your friends, some of your coworkers. Maybe a neighbor who doesn't have a church home to meet with you and do the study together. Third, we serve one another because we believe that serving others demonstrates God's love. That's that horizontal. On the one hand, James said faith without works is dead. Shows a dead faith. But on the positive side, Jesus himself gives us the model. He said in Luke 22, In this world, the kings and great men lord it over their people. Yet they're called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank. And the leader should be like a servant. Who's more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course. That's the way the world operates. But not here. For I am among you as one who serves. Very different from the worldly standard. Jesus said, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And Jesus tells us the ultimate example is, is, is actually him, the eternal Son of God, emptying himself, becoming flesh and blood on that first Christmas. Why? So that we could we, we would all gather together and make him king, I wish. He says he came to serve to point us in the right direction. Serving is a concrete way to love our neighbors. And I'll just tell you, it is not optional for those seeking to become like Jesus. It's not something you can set aside and say, well, I'm not going to do that now. It's part of the lifestyle of being a follower of Jesus. And the church is the setting, a great setting, where we intentionally seek to serve 
and love those around us. Because let me just tell you, you don't all like each other. I mean, that may come as a shock to a few of you. But some of you know it. But where are you going to learn? Where are you going to practice? Where are you going to receive grace? It should be in the church. To then take that out into the community. And fourth, we share the good news because we believe that we are all called to share Jesus because God desires all to be saved. And of course, that's the Great Commission. And no one seeking to grow like Jesus can, can dismiss this or, or say it's somebody else's job. It's for all his disciples. Jesus said the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. It's one of the reasons we're doing this study because it gives you a concrete way to invite coworkers to gather at lunch or friends to come to your house who don't have a church home and share God's love with them through his word. And yes, I hope every one of you will be in a group, whether it's a group of two or it's a group of 12 or 22. But here's the thing. I also see the day when we do this and we have more participating in our groups than attend worship. Why? Because you have invited some people who may not be ready to walk through the doors of the church, but they will walk through your front door. And there is a unique opportunity to reach them that way. So we're encouraging every one of you to commit, connect, serve, share as concrete ways for you to go through this spiritual journey that, that, that Christ is calling us to. And, and that's you. Now, what does the church do? The church is focusing on three areas to help equip you, the saints, that's the biblical name for you, in this journey, which reinforce what you're doing. And the first is, it, is worship, to attend worship to offer you examples and opportunities. We believe worship is crucial to the journey of all disciples of Jesus Christ. And one of the big problems today, again, with our consumer mindset about worship is, what did I get out of it today? What, what's in it for me? All right, I'm not the, I, I, I do the best I can, and thankfully sometimes the Holy Spirit actually works through me. You can go online, you can watch television, you can see much more gifted speakers. But you don't have a community of faith to do that in. To walk that journey together. To worship alongside one another. And there's a big difference. It's not to say you can't go ahead and watch those other folks. And worship in in lots of other settings. But there's this. And this is the long haul. This is more than just any moment by moment. The word worship says what we do. We worship God. We offer him our love, our admiration, our devotion through music, through prayer, through studying his word. Listen, the congregation, you, you're not the audience. You're not the audience listening to me, the pastor. If you want to understand what worship is, It's not about the pastor or the the musicians being up here and doing a concert or a lecture. It's about all of us joining together as participants together to offer our worship and our praise to the one true God. Worship has an audience of one. One. And if you come in and it's, what did I get? Or I didn't like that song. But I didn't even pay attention to the words. It was just a melody I didn't know. 
then maybe you didn't come to worship. We have to think about it. We have to be intentional. A life of worship, both corporately together and on our own, shapes and molds us often in ways that aren't obvious, but show up over time when we miss it. That's why the writer of Hebrews said, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And notice that it says that failing to gather together for worship impacts our ability to love. Now, I'm not saying you can draw a direct line and say, well, I wasn't at church today, so I can't worship. But I am saying, over time, you start missing worship, I guarantee you, you will be less loving. We become what we do, what we're about. It may be subtle at first, but we are formed by this, by what we do, by what we don't do. And we want to become more like Jesus. We have to worship. And so Gateway continues this historic emphasis, going all the way back to the nation of Israel. And we prayerfully strive to to give you an environment that encourages your worship. And no, we don't do it perfectly. And you can find flaws or you can... You can point to anything on any given Sunday and say, that didn't click for me, or that didn't work. But then maybe in that moment you have even missed the point of what we're really about. See, God's more concerned about our hearts, about what are we focused on. What concerns me today is that haphazard or occasional worship is a sign of decaying, a decaying spiritual journey. We can, we can say we're busy or, or the kids are grown up or I don't feel like getting out. But ultimately, we pay a price for failing to seek to become more like Jesus. And we can't do that if we don't worship. Second, serve on a team. We're going to give you opportunities to serve every week. There are hundreds of opportunities to live out your faith, to express your love to God and neighbor, and help make disciples by serving here, either inside our walls on a ministry team or beyond our walls through missions and outreach. It's not an either or, but a both and, inside and outside, because it all matters. And it's not that it's limited to just through the church. In fact, we're just, we should just be the catalyst for what becomes a daily part of your life in all kinds of settings. No matter how you're serving here, no matter even how others are treating you, God honors and uses your serving to impact the lives of others. I want to tell you, serving is divinely inspired. The Holy Spirit works in and through it in ways that sometimes are extremely rewarding and, if we're honest, sometimes very frustrating. To impact the lives of others, and yet it does impact others and our own spiritual journey. I've already talked about our need to serve, and you, you can find out where by going out to the Next Step area or, or on our Find It page. We definitely have needs right now, as we do at any point in some areas of our church, where we need some people to serve. And we would welcome helping you on your spiritual journey and using you to help others on their spiritual journey by finding you a place to serve. And finally then, join a group. I've also talked about why this matters. And, and again, hundreds of you are already involved in a group, whether it's, it's a gateway group or a group with some friends or just two or three of you getting together at breakfast to do a Bible study. But right now, as we begin our study, the God I never knew, you have the unique opportunity to either start a group or join a group if that's not part of your journey right now. 
You can go to Next Steps and talk with folks about starting a group. And we even have some open groups right out here between these two doors. There's a, a, a couple long tables of folks that have groups that they would welcome you to come in and, and join them. But here's the, here's the thing. These three things, worship, serve, groups, are, are our focus as a church for helping you on your spiritual journey to become more like Jesus. We can't do it for you. I can't grow spiritually for you. I have a hard enough time on my own. I can't do it for you. Nobody but you can do it. And that's why sometimes if, if I'm sounding a little, I don't want to say stern or pushy, but it's because I genuinely, honestly believe it's best for you. I believe it will ultimately change your life. I believe it can make a difference. Not, not maybe tomorrow, not instantaneously, but over that long haul. We're learning here less is more. And as we focus our resources in these three areas, we believe we're following God's leadership. But, but we, we also believe your regular committed engagement of these practices is how we help you fulfill your role in the journey. Kind of like that stock market. Despite the ups and downs, what is the overall direction? Is it leading you closer and closer to Jesus? It's about putting ourselves in positions to allow God's Spirit to work in and through us that requires ongoing, consistent effort on our parts and exposure and discipline. And we believe that this study over the next several weeks can, can help you in that area. I mean, look at it this way. Which of these journeys would you rather be the general shape of your experience. The last 34 days, some of you would say that's where you are right now. Or the last 34 years. Again, it's not dismissing that there aren't some struggles and some times when it's hard and some stalls. But it's saying, are you in it for the long haul? Are you in it to allow God to work, to stay engaged, to trust God to lead you? through this journey of discipleship. If you need to talk to somebody about that, our prayer team will be down here in just a moment, and they would love to pray with you about that. If you're a a guest today, I'm going to be out here with some friends, and we'd love to say hello and just welcome you. And we have, in fact, have a little gift for you. Um, But let's close in prayer. And maybe for some of us, it, it can be about an intentionality to do more than maybe where we've been. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your grace, which is incredible, which is more than, 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 than kind. I mean, we don't deserve it. But we also know that we have to work it out in our lives. It's not magic. And, and we get so caught up in our culture and our, 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 our what-have-you-done-for-me-lately kind of attitude that sometimes we forget all that you have done and how far you've brought us and the changes that you've wrought in our lives. And yes, there are up times and there are down times. But are we staying in the journey? Are we staying on the path? Are we headed in the right direction? And Father, you have called us as a church not to take that journey for others, but to point people to it, to open opportunities, to help people on that journey. And I pray that you will use us in these coming days, weeks, and months, to lead more of us toward full devotion, 
to lead some of us from being a seed to being a seedling, from some being a seedling to being a, a young tree, and from some being a young tree to becoming a mature tree that, that is overflowing with fruit and transforming the lives around them. Wherever we are, Father, is okay. But the direction we are going in does matter. Help us to turn in the right direction to you. To love you with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And our neighbors, ourselves. And to seek to go and make disciples. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.